You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packer Night Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So today, what I really, really want to do, but I'm not going to have time to do, is comment on all this information we have about some Packers players having a little bit too much fun out in L.A., Unfortunately, today is PFF day, and I don't want to delay that, and I don't want to wait two days to comment on this, because then it starts to, you know, nobody cares as time goes on. But I will give a couple thoughts and, I guess, move on quickly. Otherwise, um, giving back month, months, we have got yet another giveaway, which is stacked on top of every other giveaway. So, number one, when we get to 600 followers, there will be a Johnny Holland signed 8x10. That'll be given away to one follower. At 700, there will be a signed Chuck Mercian jersey. And now the Mac Daddy. We have got a Lombardi Trophy replica that is signed by Mr. Leroy Butler himself. So this is more or less for people that are already following and looking for something else to do. And if you're not, just, you know, follow. But what you've got to do is tag three Packer fans in the comments section. And you can enter up to three times, meaning entering nine people essentially. You can also have one bonus entry by leaving a five-star iTunes review and posting a screenshot of it and sending us a message. So you can have up to four entries into this contest to win a signed, autographed Leroy Butler Lombardi trophy. You understand? This uh, contest, by the way, is going to be run through Sunday at noon. So Sunday at noon, we're closing it. We're going to pick somebody. And the winner will be revealed next Monday. So not a huge amount of time. This is not a matter of however long it takes to get to this number. It's just you've got one week to get in and that's it. We've also got, for those that don't know, a foundation, a goal, whatever you want to call it started. It's called Packer Fans Against Cancer. I'm going to be running this now until December 25th on Christmas. All donations will be going to the Madison Childhood Cancer Foundation. We are currently already at $321, so I want to thank you guys so much. It's only been like four days, five days, so we are on pace to blow past $1,000, which would be fantastic if we could do that. A big, big thank you to Billy, Kona, Kyle, and Michael uh, for all of your donations. And again, we are creeping up on episode 600. I think it's, this is like $598 or $599 today. So what I would ask and ask you to consider is a $6 donation to this uh, Packer Fans Against Cancer. There's a link in the description. And yes, 100% of all this money will be going to um, the Madison Childhood Cancer Foundation. Neither I nor GoFundMe is going to touch any of this money. So that's that. As for Party Central, you know, you can look at this in a positive or a negative way. The positive spin on this is, look, these are young guys with a lot of money. 
and they've been playing a lot of home games, which means they've been cooped up in Green Bay for a long time, and you're starting to see the effects of that, right? you got people flying out, you know, not literally flying, but going out to Chicago to have some fun, and now, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of busting at the seams to have a little bit of fun. They go out to L.A., they completely blow it out, right? I was talking to a friend, and it was kind of like, you know how when you say you're going to start a diet, and you're like, all right, today's Sunday, I'm starting the diet on Monday, so today I'm going to eat 15,000 calories worth of junk because it's my last day. Well, all you're doing is getting your body all wired up to be like, nope, I'm never giving this up. So then you just ate a bajillion calories, and you're definitely not doing a diet tomorrow. Because it's like, yeah, but this is awesome. Like, I've never loved food as much as I do now because I just had this food party. It's kind of like that. They go out and they're like, look, it's just going to be a little bit of fun. We're just going to go out with the boys. I heard about this big party we're getting invited out to. I'm just going to have a couple. Going to get home, be in bed by 8. And instead, they didn't sleep for two straight days because they completely blew it out. And then they go out and play like garbage. So, the, the again, the positive spin on this would be, look, they needed to blow off a little steam. It was ill-advised. But this isn't a bad team. This is just a bunch of young guys that went out and had a party. And, you know, even the older veterans are still kind of young guys. I mean, the, the old, old guys are, what, 30 years old? Tremont and, and Rodgers, I don't think, went out at all. In fact, if you remember, Tremont Williams was on the sideline absolutely losing it. I think the veterans are really, really upset with a lot of the young guys. I think the defensive backs, and to be honest, I'm thinking maybe the offensive line went out and partied a little bit, which are not necessarily young guys. But you look at Blaga and Bakhtiari and how some of these guys played, straight up trash. Every single guy, with the exception of Billy Turner, was bad. I'm not talking about like, you know, pretty good at pass blocking, but struggled in run blocking. So overall, not, no, bad, as in below a 60, which almost the entire offense was. But again, the positive is it's fine because it's a really good team. They did something dumb. They won't do it again. And we're going to show everybody when we get back to Lambeau and there's no trouble to even get into that they're just going to absolutely annihilate the Panthers and we're back on track. The thing that has me just a tiny bit worried is that maybe things are kind of slipping out of control a little bit. So it, it's this feeling that LeFleur came in and did a really good thing and got this locker room feeling great. And these guys are all hyped up and they're all pumped up and everything's great. But he's also much more relaxed and he lets guys be who they are. And I don't know what exactly is going on behind closed doors, but I, I, I don't know that he's necessarily calling anybody out. And even in this instance, he's kind of just looking as though his, his approach is going to be, you guys know who you are. Let's try not to do this again. The problem with that is when you get young guys, and, and believe me, that, that fun that they had in L.A. is standing out in their mind. That was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. And when your negative repercussions are not that serious and all you can think about is how positive the positive was, you're going to do it again. And so we've got rookies sneaking off to Chicago to go smoke dope and then are driving back over the speed limit with pot in the car, getting busted by the police. Then just within a matter of, of hours, they're in L.A. making all kinds of bad decisions. This is turning into a raucous party. These are young guys who are partying on top of partying on top of partying and seem to be forgetting what exactly it is that got us here and why we're here to begin with. The more important thing isn't winning a Super Bowl. It's enjoying your 20s as a millionaire. And I, you know, sometimes I get carried away with conspiracy theories, and I'm not saying that I know that this is the case. I'm just saying I know that this can be a problem because I've been 20 years old, and I didn't even have any money. I dropped out of college at Whitewater. I didn't graduate because I didn't go to class. Because the prospect when I got there of being this 
really super awesome rich world banker type guy, some great guru investment banker who's going to travel the world and be a bajillionaire. That all went out the window when I realized how much fun I could have if I just don't go to class and don't care. Now you take these same guys filled with all this bravado and testosterone, add a couple million bucks, and yeah, maybe I don't work as hard in football anymore because I can stay up late, especially when the coach doesn't care and the worst, and even Aaron Rodgers. He comes to the table and he's like, well, we'll see how the veterans respond. You're a veteran. You're the veteran. You get in somebody's face. And I don't care if he's, if he's a wide receiver, if he's a quarterback. You know, none of this, well, I don't cross lines positionally. No, go get in Jair's face. Yes, because I'm going to say Jair out loud. Because you all know darn well Jair was one of them. I think the DBs as a whole kept Kevin King playing 20 snaps. Why? You a little dehydrated, bud? I, look, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't Jair. Somebody was, but you look at Jair playing one of his worst games of his career. You look at Kevin King hardly not playing at all. You look at the entire offensive line, which, I mean, what do we know about the offensive line? Not a ton, except number one, they're really tight and they like to hang out. Number two, they like to have a good time. And number three, Bakhtiari likes to drink. And I'm sure he can hold his liquor when we're, when we're throwing back three or four beers. But you go out to California, you start having a couple of, you know, couple shots, doing some hard liquor and beer. Again, I don't know. Maybe Bakhtiari stayed in. But they're talking about someone. And I can look at these PFF grades and go, huh, that's unusually low. The lowest graded offensive player was Brian Balaga. Well, he went up against Bosa. Okay, well, he was one of the highest graded players when he went up against Khalil Mack. So you know what? It ain't washing with me. But I don't know, maybe it wasn't Balaga. But you, you get my point, right? This is either going to be a wake-up call like a lot of people say it is, and I hope it is. Like, look, we had fun, but this is, this is kind of bad, right? We, we got embarrassed. I don't want to be embarrassed. And that sort of pride in being a football player and being a champion and being, you know, a great football team, they're all going to come together in that locker room again. Or they're not, which is going to cause a fracture, because you're going to have the Tremonts, you're going to have the Aaron Rodgers, you're going to have the Jamal Williams, you're going to have the Aaron Jones, you're going to have the veterans, and even the young guys who are hard workers, who are there just to get the job done, who are good guys putting in the work, who show up to play the Chargers and to beat the Chargers and have a great game and get stomped out because all your teammates are hung over. And they're not going to like it. And they're not going to be best friends with the guy across the way who's still hung over from last night. They're not going to be best friends with the guy that you know down the hall started snorting coke before games, right? And listen, I'm just saying, you, you can't let this get out of hand because it can get out of hand. And I don't like seeing three Green Bay Packers getting pulled over with, with pot in the car. Oh, pot should be legal anyways. Shut it. They're going off to Chicago to a party. Why? You're involved in illegal activity. Why? You're bringing illegal drugs in your car across state lines, driving over the speed limit. That's dumb. But nobody seems to care. And again, what we need is leadership. And unfortunately, one of our leaders is chauffeuring two of our young rookies to doing this stuff. That's not leadership. Listen, I know he, t- he took the fall, and that's awesome, and that's what leaders do and all that. You can't have leaders who are causing this problem. Saying, hey, young man, let's go out and blow it out tonight. No, 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 no. Hey, young man, knock it off, get in the book. Hey, Rashawn, you're playing like crap. How about you get your stuff together instead of going to Chicago getting high? You get your nose in the book and do your work. Stupid, man. I get it. I've been 20. But you're being stupid. And this great team that has the potential to be a Super Bowl is going to just lose everything because we can't control ourselves. 
because we just want to have fun. So we got to pick a direction. We're either not going to do this anymore. We're not going to be taking people down to Chicago veterans. We're not going to be taking people out getting drunk. We're going to work. And again, it's either a wake-up call or it's not. And we'll find out. But I, I, I can just see a situation in which this spirals wildly out of control. Last year, a big problem we had was the locker room. This locker room will fracture very quickly if this becomes the guys that don't care. And I mean, look, what did HaHa say two years ago at the end of the year when stuff was getting real bad? He hinted at what was going on, and he said, you got some guys in here who are here just for the money, just for the contracts, just for whatever. They're here for the wrong reasons. And it was a lot of young guys that came in, and he didn't like it because the young guys were all just there for themselves, and they didn't care about anything, and the veterans are all just kind of on their own. You got Clay who's just like, whatever, I don't care. These young guys are dumb. I got my own thing going on. Right? There's no leadership and there's just a bunch of young guys just doing whatever and they don't care. And you got even veterans who are like, whatever, I'm just here to try to figure out another contract. I know it's not with the Packers. I'll figure it out somehow, some way. And nobody cared anymore. So it is going to be on guys like Zadarius. It is going to be on guys like Rodgers. It is going to be like guys on like Tremont to come in and, and, and lock this down. Because this free love and attitude that LaFleur has is great to a point. But at some point, somebody's got to come down and say, you got to knock it off. And if that requires Gutekunst coming down and saying, listen... I'm, I'm, I'm not messing with you. If this continues, if this happens one more time, and if I find out about it, you are off the team, and I don't care when you were drafted, I don't care how much money you're owed, you can sit on the bench and rot, and we'll find a trade partner for you because you're not going to poison this locker room. I don't know what it's going to take, but somebody's got to do something. And again, I, I, you know, it doesn't have to be this dire. I'm not saying it's going to be this dire. I tend to think we're going to go the other direction and Carolina's going to be a great game because everyone's going to be sober and they're good football players and everybody's embarrassed from what happened and they won't let it happen again. But I see a, let's call it a 3% chance that we go down this path, which is years and years and years of darkness because we let guys go down the wrong path. And it scares me to death and I don't want to go down that road and somebody's got to nip it in the bud right now. Does that make sense? And don't act like you don't know exactly what I'm talking about. These aren't superhuman people. These are just human beings. They're just, they're no better than you and I. And part of the reason I'm so panicked is I know if I was 20 and I was rich and I had a lot of people that just wanted to make sure that I had a good time all the time and I had the resources and I had the connections to make sure that my life could just be a good time probably for the rest of my life if I, if I never even played again, I would have a hard time really caring. And, and getting that taste of that L.A. life, I don't know, man. It would be hard to forget. They need to forget it, and the veterans need to make sure they smack that memory right out of their heads. Does all this make sense? Didn't expect to get that worked up, but I did a little bit. Anyways, let's take a break, and we'll do PFF Day. Yesterday, I mentioned to you how you need to get over to MacWeldon.com and check out some of the stuff they got, and hopefully you were able to do that. And like I said, for some of you, this is a different kind of deal. Even if you're not a Goodwill guy, you, you go to the store and you spend, what, I don't know, 15, 20 bucks on a shirt? I really don't know, because I, I don't do that. But as I said, you got to remember, this is a different kind of deal. I'm not saying your whole wardrobe needs to be Mack Weldon, but you got to experience this just once. Mack Weldon is just better than whatever it is you're wearing. This is premium fabric. Some of it is proprietary fabric. As I said, I, I, I'm almost confused by what I'm wearing half the time. And yes, I wear it a lot. I went out and bought a lot of their lounge stuff because that's how I roll. So lounge pants, t-shirt, hoodie. And the website is super easy to navigate which I tend to think is perfect for guys. When my wife sends me to the grocery store, she tells me to buy something. If she needs something specific, I always mess it up because I don't want to have to find 
exactly the right thing and then read the label and there's 60 billion words on the label. Make sure it's unsweetened, vanilla, non-fat. I, I don't know, man. It's almond milk. I, I just, I, I grabbed every kind of almond, um, almond milk they have. I don't know. They make it super easy. They got the categories. Then you highlight over the categories and they even have pictures. It's beautiful. But they got a bunch of different kinds of underwear. They got high-low socks. You got your uh, tees and tank tops, V-necks, crew necks, long sleeve, polos, button-ups. So again, everything from kind of casual dress down to your button-up ready-for-work shirts. You got pants, you got shorts, you got swimwear. They even got stuff like wallets, bags, hats, scarves, gloves, slippers, whatever. And again, they've got that silver underwear and shirts so that it's anti-naturally microbial. Excuse me, naturally antimicrobial, not anti-naturally. But that's just going to eliminate odor, which tends to be important. And if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep it and they'll refund your money, no questions asked. So just head over to MacWeldon.com, check it out, and if you like what you see, your first order is going to be 20% off when you enter promo code OVERTIME. So go check it out, let me know what you think. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so let's recap these PFF grades. And again, I'll let you draw your own conclusions on the implications of what these grades mean. Uh, We'll start with the offense because I tend to think that's a little bit worse. There were only two players that had good grades. Number one, Jamal Williams, who was an absolute beast in that game. I'm, I, I'm really starting to just love our running backs. Aaron Jones struggled pretty mightily in pass blocking and um, as a receiver, but was, was solid as a runner. Both of these guys just came to play. And maybe I'm giving them too much credit. Maybe Aaron Jones was out getting... I, I don't know, whatever. I'm moving on. I'm just saying these guys are, are putting in the work every week, and I'm, I'm really starting to love it. Uh, Billy Turner, again, talked a lot of trash uh, about the offensive line, but he stepped up and not only was a good, not great pass blocker, he was also a good run blocker, which is why he had as good of a grade as he did. So good on him for for stepping up in that way. The only other guy that was even close to being good was Aaron Rodgers, 68.5, so pretty close to 70. Otherwise, there were one, well, including Rodgers, there's one, two, three, four, five guys that were average. It's really only four because Jay Sternberger is on this list. And he didn't do anything, so he had exactly 60. So we're looking at four average players, two good players. Everyone else was either below average or bad. That was the offense. Uh, Geronimo, Lindsley, Vitale, Jimmy Graham, David Bakhtiari, Jay Kumarol, 
all below average. In the bad category, MVS, Elton Jenkins, Mercedes Lewis, Brian Balaga. Looking directly at the, uh, the blocking, there were two guys that had good grades as blockers, Billy Turner and David Bakhtiari. Elton Jenkins was average, Brian Balaga below average, Corey Lindsley was a garbage heap, and Aaron Jones just, I mean, I don't know. There's only two reps, so not great, but I'm assuming people just ran right past him. I don't know. Because it was a 15. It was a 15. That's really bad. Uh, run blocking, Billy Turner and Corey Lindsley were decent. A whole bunch of average. Um, but Devontae Adams, who was not really with the program on this whole thing, really bad. Uh, Brian Balaga, horrible. David Bakhtiari, really, really bad. Everyone else average to below average. Uh, looking at Aaron Rodgers, obviously not his best day. Surprisingly, the only thing redeemable about what he did was when he was under pressure. His grades, at least, I mean, the, the stats obviously look better with no pressure, but his grades were, um, he was average with no pressure. He was good under pressure. And as far as the distribution along the field, not surprisingly, really, really bad grades on deep throws because he wasn't hitting any of those. And I don't know why he kept trying to force all those because it wasn't working. He was doing a terrible job. He was 0 for 3 on deep left. He was 0 for 2 deep middle. So 0 for 5 with any shot over 20 yards. His official stats with uh, no pressure, 19 of 26, 73.1 completion percentage for 124 yards, 4.8 yards per attempt, which is really, really terrible. NFL passer rating of 82.9. His adjusted completion percentage, 76. When under pressure, he was 4 of 9 for 37 yards, 4.1 average, and a touchdown. He was sacked three times. There was one drop and one throwaway. His adjusted completion percentage was 62.5. So the, the only passer ratings that were above 100 were between the 10 and 20 yard mark. That was kind of the sweet spot here, which is frustrating because really between 0 and 20, he was pretty solid, but they just refused to throw in that range, right? One of one intermediate left, one of one intermediate middle. That's it. Two passes. Short middle, he was five of seven for 54 yards. I mean, there were, he, I mean, really eight of eight, um, short left, eight of 11. It, it was working. I mean, it was, it was solid. Just keep dropping it off, but whatever. They didn't want to do it. Wanted to keep taking shots, keep blowing this thing open. And, and you know, Lafleur and a lot of these guys have already kind of stated what the actual issue was. Because of all the penalties, because of all the sacks, because of the delay of game, because of all the issues that they had, they couldn't ever get into the rhythm that they needed. They would love to just, you know, be able to run the ball and dink and dunk and throw five yards and four yards here and there. But when you're in third and 11 or, or even second and 15, second and 20, whatever, you, you can't run the offense you want to run especially when the offense is predicated on doing something successfully and then doing something that looks like that something but doing it differently. But we can't even get the first something down. So we can't build off of that if we can't even start building first. So it, it never got going for that reason because they couldn't, you know, I'll, I'll leave the colorful language aside, they, they couldn't uh, get their heads straight. Uh, running the ball, Aaron Jones, eight attempts for 30 yards, 3.8 average, obviously not his best effort but not a lot to work with. I thought he did a decent enough job. Jamal Williams, two attempts, 10 yards, which shocking. Is that is that right? Do we run the ball 10 times for 40? I feel like Jamal ran the ball a lot. He must have just caught all, all his balls must have been receptions. That's crazy, man. I mean, you, you can just see that this has, this is not Green Bay Packers football. This is not Matt LaFleur football. 10 carries for the whole team for the whole game because they were behind, et cetera, et cetera. But still, that's crazy. But Jamal was getting five yards per attempt. Why don't we keep doing it? Well, because we can't. There were probably a few situations on, you know, 
second and short or whatever, where Aaron Rodgers decides to launch it 40 yards down the field, where we probably could have just run it, got at least four more yards, and then been third and one, but, you know, whatever. And then on that missed 40-yard pass, there was a holding penalty, and now we got to go back another whatever. Uh, wide receivers, the only good receiver on the team, again, was Jamal Williams. Looking specifically at receiving grades, um, the only two that were decent, which is to say average, Alan Lazard and Devontae Adams. Obviously, you expect better from Devontae. We'll say that he's just slowly coming back. I want very badly to believe that he's one of those veterans who's not going to go out and do dumb stuff. But again, he's one of those young guys with a lot of money in Los Angeles when everybody in the team is like, dude, let's go out. It, it, it It's to the point where it's almost a superhuman effort to believe that Devontae was like, no, dude, we got a game. And I'm sure some of the guys did, and props to him. I'm just saying I could very much understand why any single one of these people, including Aaron Rodgers, by the way, would maybe have gotten a little carried away. But, you know, Devontae clearly has an out to where he's been out for a long time. You could look at it, even if we didn't have all this other information, and be like, whatever, it's his first week back, got to ease into it. Toe probably stings still a little bit or something, I don't know. Um, nobody was really, quote-unquote, bad as a receiver, but uh, below average, Geronimo, Kumaro, Aaron Jones, Jimmy Graham, and Marquez was at the bottom. And I feel like Marquez has been at the bottom of this list for a very long time. This, by the way, is why I have not been hyping people up like Marquez Valdez-Scantling. When I was saying that, you know, we probably should get a number two, and everyone's like, Marquez is a number two. Is he, though? He's had two good games all year. Oakland, as far as being a good grade, because he had 133 yards and a touchdown, but he also only had three targets and two receptions. The only other good grade he had was week three against Denver. He had nine targets, six receptions, 99 yards, and a touchdown. Other than that, his grades have been 65, 49, 55, 56, 64, 45, and 49. I got nothing personally against Marquez. I like Marquez. He has a unique skill set. Aaron Rodgers is struggling to get the ball to him and all that. He's good on that one real big play, but I mean... There's a reason a six foot four, four three seven guy goes as late as he goes. Six foot four, four three seven is first round draft pick numbers. Why didn't he go in the first? Why didn't he go in the second? Why didn't he go in the third or the fourth? Why was it at the end of the fifth round Marquez Valdez Scantling got drafted? There's a reason. Same thing goes for Geronimo, same thing goes for Kumaro. There's a reason why I don't buy in on the hype. Because Everybody has a couple good games. So when a 7th round, 6th round, undrafted free agent has a good game or a good preseason or a good practice, I'm generally going to be very slow to come around to saying, you know what, this guy's legit. I'll ride the train with you for a little bit to, to at least say, well, I don't know, maybe. But it's going to be a maybe but probably not. Just because I've been, you know, paying attention long enough. And I feel like you guys have too. I don't know if you just choose to believe it because it's fun which is fine and again they, they all have their own little unique thing and, and when you put Marquez and Jimmy and Aaron Jones and Kumaro and Geronimo and Devante and Lazard and William when you put them all together it's a good group but isolate them out it's Devante Devante is a good receiver Alan Lazard has been impressive but impressive based on expectations I mean I, I remember when he had a good game against Detroit and we spent an entire week talking about how did we miss on him in the draft. This is going to be one of the great misses in draft history. He went undrafted. That's incredible. Dude's had two good games, Detroit and Kansas City. Again, maybe he is the guy. Maybe he's going to be he's six foot five, dude. Yeah, and Jimmy Graham is six seven. So what? I mean, there are people in the world over seven feet. I don't get your point. I'm not trying to dump on people. I'm just saying 
We don't have to get super hyped up about every single person because they had a good game. Lots of guys have good games. Let's give it time to figure out exactly what their role is and who they are on this team. Because I, part of the problem is I want to get excited about stuff. I want to celebrate Alan Lazard's great game in Detroit. But I can't because everyone goes off into crazy town talking about how this is going to be our, our great wide receiver too. He's the great miss. He's all this. It's like I can't even enjoy it anymore. You've all just ruined it for me. Because now i got to go into negative town. Now i got to do the job of reeling you all back in and saying a bunch of negative stuff that I don't want to say. I just want to be positive once in a while, but you guys are kind of crazy. Some other interesting tidbits. Um, Danny Vitale only played four snaps. So if I'm going to get on Kevin King because he had limited snaps, I mean, look, are we going to say Danny Vitale isn't the kind of guy that's going to be the center of the attention at the party? So, And, and listen, you, you could see that as a negative comment that I just made, but I'm trying to give the guy an out. Because if Danny Vitale's snap count is down to four when healthy, everything we thought about Vitale and his potential on this offense kind of is going out the window. And by the way, Danny Vitale has not had a positive grade, or I shouldn't say that. He's had a couple positive grades, but not many. He had one grade that was close to being good, and that was week seven against Oakland. His grades this year, 56, 56, 53, 58, 62, 57, 69.7, 56, 58. Almost every single game that he's played is below average. The one thing he's doing very well is as a pass blocker, which is great, but he's supposed to be a pretty good receiver, and he hasn't been. Terrible run blocker. So there's, there's talent in there somewhere, and we've seen it a couple times, but it is not really materializing like we had hoped. And I, I, again, I want to get hyped on Vitaly. I like the idea of having an athletic fullback that we can sneak out and do all this crazy stuff with. It's not materializing. And from PFF's perspective, he's not very good. Now, Danny Vitale had a knee injury. He was limited in practice. So that's probably what we're dealing with. But it also doesn't help to have a guy that is a, a pretty, pretty good pass blocker not even play. He came out three times as a run blocker, which he's not good at, once as a receiver. That was it for him for the day. So I'm, I'm going to say I'm 90% sure it was his knee injury that they decided to limit him. But we've got to start seeing some more positive development out of Danny Vitale. Because we know with Kyle Shanahan, you like to utilize fullbacks and tight ends and all these kinds of things, running backs. And we're seeing a lot of that that fruit develop very strongly with the running backs. We're not seeing it as much as we should with the tight ends. We're not seeing it as much as we we could with Danny Vitale. I mean, this this is a lot of untapped potential for the offense. Also forgot to give the numbers on the pass blocking Three sacks were given up, one by Billy Turner, one by David Bakhtiari, one by Brian Balaga. There were three hits in the game, two given up by Brian Balaga, one by David Bakhtiari. There were nine hurries in this game, two by Elton Jenkins, two for Lindsley, two for Bakhtiari, two were credited to Aaron Rodgers, one to Billy Turner. So overall pressures, four pressures came by way of David Bakhtiari, three for Brian Balaga, two for Jenkins, two for Lindsley, two for Billy Turner, and two for Aaron Rodgers. There were also five penalties for Lazard, Jenkins, Bakhtiari, Balaga, and Rodgers. So that was the offense. Not super fantastic, as I'm sure you're well aware. On the positive note, Vikings, Bears, Lions, and Patriots lost. So boom, roasted. Let's take a break. We'll take a look at the defense, and we'll call it for the day. Well, the great rebound is about to happen. And if you're planning on being there to see it, I hope you're planning on using Vivid Seats. They're the top source for tickets for the events that you want to go to. You can sort by price, look for seats in the sections and row of your choice, all within the Vivid Seats app. 
As I've mentioned to you before, they've got the Vivid Seats loyalty program that allows you to earn credit back with Vivid Seats rewards. So go to the App Store, Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app, and you're going to be automatically enrolled in that Vivid Seats reward loyalty program. Each and every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. So if you're ready to go there and lose your voice for about a week, you've mentally, physically, and emotionally prepared for that, then download the app, join the Vivid Seats Reward Loyalty Program, and when it's time to buy, new users enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. If you're not going to the game but you still want to have a little bit of extra fun, let me quickly direct your attention to my bookie. The Green Bay Packers, by the way, still five-point favorites, and that should tell you something. Because I'm I'm worried about Carolina. They are a good football team. But let's not forget, Vegas looked at this and they knew that the Chargers were actually a pretty good team. As I told you, they were. They weren't playing like a team. But Vegas saw something and they didn't see a three-win team when they looked at the Chargers. They actually have more confidence in the Green Bay Packers than they did last week going up against the Chargers. Now maybe his home field advantage has something to do with that, whatever. But they're currently sitting at five-point favorites. If you're not looking to do something like that and want to do something a little bit more fun... They got the stuff like player props, which is betting on yards, points, first half yards, first half points, that kind of crazy stuff. And again, put down a bet on what the first score is going to be. And if you're right, you can go ahead and take your winnings down to the local restaurant of choice and celebrate your winnings with a burger and wings and a steak dinner. Unless you put down five bucks, then maybe go down and get a pack of gum and celebrate. But now is the best time to get in on the action. Sign up at mybookie.ag. Use promo code OVERTIME, and they're going to match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME, and New Year's will get their first deposit doubled. Mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Why don't we actually, because it's less interesting, start with special teams. Uh, Mr. Will Redmond, as well as Jake Kumaro, absolutely dominated on special teams, especially Will Redmond. This is probably the highest special teams grade I've seen all year. He spent six snaps on kick return, four on kick coverage, five on punt coverage one on punt return. Not exactly sure what it is he did to, or, or where he had made all of his hay, but he had three tackles. So nine, nine attempts at getting the guy, and three of the times he's the one bringing down, the, you know, making the tackle. So super big props to Will Redmond, who's becoming a pretty solid little utility guy. He's one of those sort of good, not great DBs, but you don't mind him being on the field. You know he's not going to be a lockdown, whatever, but he's solid enough that you feel comfortable, and then he's also a good special teamer. He's definitely solidifying his spot on this team. Something to keep in the back of your mind as we go forward, and you look at next year and go, I don't know about Will Redmond. Just just keep that in the back of your mind, that the team really wants to keep a guy like him. Um, and again, Jake Kumaro doing a great job. I don't know how or why, I just know he did a good job. He had six snaps on kick return, four on kick coverage. Guys that were absolutely horrible, uh, Danny Vitale, who is pretty consistently bad on special teams, I believe unless I'm remembering that wrong and he's consistently good. But I know I talk about him on special teams a lot. Um, Really, really bad, B.J. Goodson. And then really, really horribly, terribly bad, Tony Brown. Um, As far as kicking the ball, not exactly sure why there's a super huge amount of hate toward J.K. Scott. He actually was graded out pretty positively. Um, I know some people referenced his yard per attempt. I mean, he had one blocked, but on his five attempts, he had 188 yards. His longest was 52 he pinned two inside the 20. He had two returns for a total of one yard. Hang time at 448. Not the greatest, but uh, he didn't have as bad of a day as, as a lot of people thought. I know one of them did come up a little bit short, as I recall, but uh, he was graded pretty positively in this game. Mason Crosby obviously had a pretty average grade because he, you know, didn't have to do anything. 
And then uh, they also have return grades, but I usually don't look at it because it usually doesn't mean anything. Uh, Tremont Smith is just not doing very much. It's going pretty horribly. I mean, you know it's bad when they're kicking short on purpose. You never kick short. You just don't. It's, it's pretty standard to see people just kick it out of the end zone because you just don't want to bother. But they're deliberately saying, no, we want to give, we want to make this guy try to get to the 25 because he's probably not going to. Now, thanks to a pretty long run, he actually did average 24.6. So hopefully teams look at that and go, eh, he's averaging about 25, maybe we should back off. But they probably won't. Anyways, defensively, looking at overall grades first, we'll start with the negative first. Um, there was only one guy in the below average category, and that was Montrevious Adams. There's actually a pretty good amount of positive grades if you look at it, because there's only there were 14 players that were average or better out of 20. So only six were below average or terrible. But uh, Montrevious was below average. Preston Smith had a really bad day, which is very uncharacteristic for him. Not saying, I'm just saying. Uh, Blake Martinez was bad. Dean Lowry was bad. Then you get down into Jair, and it was terrible. We're down in the 30s now. And then the lowest of the low was Mr. Oren Burks. There's been a lot of hype and optimism about Oren. I want Oren to be a solid football player, but... Again, I've not been high on Oren because he's given us zero reason to be, and it's another one of those things where people get excited because he's a guy that runs fast. People are so enamored with tall and fast, I don't get it. So what? Good football player is what you want. I don't care what he runs in the 40. I don't care how tall or short he is. Is he a good football player? I don't think I've ever seen Oren play well, but everyone's obsessed with him because he's fast, and it's what we need on defense. We need speed. We need guys that can cover. It's going to be awesome. No, man, we need good football players. It's not over for Oren. Maybe he turns it around. I just, I, I, I don't want to hear any more about Oren Burks. Unless and until he turns this thing around and, and actually, I mean, is even given snaps. He had eight snaps. We went out and got B.J. Goodson to just fill a bunch of gaps. He had 13 snaps. B.J. Goodson's playing more than our third-round pick, Oren Burks, who, by the way, love Gutekunst, but pretty much everybody, when they drafted Oren Burks, kind of looked at that with that, you know, when his dog, dog tilts his head sideways, like, what? Because unanimously everybody looked at that and goes, reach, just saying. By the way, his worst category, coverage. Go figure. Um, of the guys that were good, nobody was very good. So there's a lot of huffing and puffing about Kevin King. I mentioned he was the highest graded player, but that's like being the richest person in my family. I mean, I'm like competing with my son who has $100 in his, his bank account. I mean, I'm dominating his face financially. I'm just crushing everybody. I'm just saying the competition level not super high. Also, Kevin King played 20 snaps. A lot of people wanted to point that out. I mean, listen, I'm going to give him credit when it's due, especially since I'm so hard on him. He had a, a good run defense grade, a good tackling grade, and a solid enough coverage grade. I don't really care that it's 20 snaps. I mean, if it's four snaps, fine, but 20 snaps is relatively significant. You're out there a good amount, and he did his job on those 20 snaps, so I'm going to give him credit for it. But nobody was in the elite category. Nobody was in the very good category. There were a handful in the good category. Kevin King was on top. Also had Zadarius, Kenny Clark, so happy to see Kenny up there, uh, Tremont Williams, Tony Brown, and Kingsley Kiki. Now, Tony Brown and Kingsley Kiki also had limited snaps. Tony had 19, Kingsley only 11. But again, I'm going to give you credit for doing a good job. I don't care how many snaps you're out there. Just do a good job when you're out there. That's all I care about. Uh, everybody else was average. Run defense, pretty similar distribution. Lots of below average. Tyler Lancaster, Will Redmond, Montrevious, Oren, Preston, Chandon. Um, and then Jair and Dean were in the bad category. As far as good, there were three, we'll call it four. Adrian Amos was at the top. 
then Tony Brown, then Darnell Savage. Good to see the safeties uh, coming up big in run defense. Also, they did well as uh, as a unit tackling. Coverage, meh. But, uh, you know, at least coming up in run support. And then Kevin King was very close in run defense. The tackling actually was pretty solid in this game, with the exception of some that were just terrible. So Will Redmond actually had an elite tackling grade. Limited snaps, only 22 snaps, but they gave him an elite grade. Um, very good, Adrian Amos and Tremont Williams. Good, Tony Brown, Savage, Zadarius, B.J. Goodson, Jair, Kevin King, Kyler Fackrell, Montravius, and Rashawn Gary. That's that's a far cry. I mean, this has not been the case for a while. So the tackling did actually do, I mean, they, they did a good job. That's that's good. That's progress. Keep doing that. The biggest problem, Preston Smith, Chandon Sullivan, and especially Kenny Clark, terrible. And I, I did notice with Kenny Clark, there's a lot of being nearby and kind of leaning and sticking that one arm out and just not making a tackle. You know, there's like a gap right to his right. And usually, like old school Kenny, he's just going to like lunge at the guy and bring him down. And it's like, poh, smoked him. Now he just does this whole like stick his right arm out there and let the guy run through. And it's like, oh no. Come on, Kenny. Come on, man. Kenny's too nice, man. I know he's a quiet dude. Somebody's got to like get that bull revved up. Because you know he's got a mean streak in him. I feel like he's one of those guys that's borderline crazy, and he's quiet and nice because he's worried that if he lets go of that anger, he's going to flip out. I feel like he's one of those guys. Like, he's quiet, and if he snaps, it's not going to be a fist fight. Somebody's getting stabbed. So we, we, we got to unleash that a little bit. Just, you know, pat him down before he goes on the field, make sure he doesn't have any weapons on him. But we, we, we got to let that, that rage out because it's in there somewhere. Somewhere is a very dark Kenny Clark and I'd like to see him play football. Speaking of, uh, pass rush. One guy had a very good grade, and it was Kenny Clark. Now, it didn't necessarily step up on or show up on the stat sheet. He only had two total pressures. But, um, again, I, I, I made it a point to watch Kenny Clark because I wanted to see what he was doing. He was definitely pushing a lot of people around. He wasn't getting to the quarterback super fast, but he's got two guys on him, and he's just pushing them right out of the way getting to the quarterback. So, obviously, that takes some time. But he was doing a good job of, of, of winning when he was trying to get to the quarterback. Uh, the two other guys that had good grades, Zadarius and Chandon, um, a whole bunch of, of average to below average, and it's kind of hard to draw an exact line because there's a bunch of 60s, 59s, 57. I guess if we start at 55, uh, it's, 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 that's insignificant. The only one that really kind of stands out that actually pass rushed a lot and did a poor job was Dean Lowry. And I guess Kyler Fackrell was below average. Because there's a whole bunch of people that, you know, Will Redmond, who pass rush once. Which is actually pretty solid, because everybody else that had significant pass rush reps was at least average. Tyler Lancaster, Preston Smith, Chandon Sullivan, Zadarius, and Kenny. Coverage grades, um, Kevin King, as I said, was decent, but he was actually third in coverage. He was one of the three that had good coverage grades. Number one, Kyler Fackrell. Only four times he dropped into coverage, but I don't care, he's getting credit for it. Uh, Number two was Tremont Williams. Tremont, I mean, listen, again, Tremont was flipping out on the sideline because he showed up. He was there. He, he came to work. He's having a great day. But the guys next to him, not so much. And I'd love to get a little clarity on what exactly was going on. At one point, I thought he was screaming at Petten. Maybe Petten was there to just break it up. I'm not exactly sure. But he was, he was flipping out. And, and rightly so. Everyone's playing like trash. Guys who were horrible in coverage, Oren Burks, only two reps, so I'll take it easy on him. Blake Martinez, 32 times he was in coverage. Garbage. Jair, 33 times he was in coverage. Garbage. Preston Smith, nine times. Kind of garbage. 
Looking at statistics, there were only 10 pressures in this game, five of which came from Zadarius. He had half of all the pressures. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a problem. Not just in this game, in general. We can't just have Zadarius and usually Preston as the only guys generating pressure. Kenny Clark, who did have a decent time rushing the passer, but again, it was being double teamed, is not getting the numbers. Tyler Lancaster I have very limited expectations for because of his size. He's a run defender. As long as he's doing his job, I don't care. But we got to figure this out. Primarily, I'm looking at Dean Lowry because we should be able to put Dean Lowry and Zadarius Smith on the outside of Kenny Clark and Preston and Rashawn or Preston Kyler on the outside and generate a significant amount of pressure from a lot of different places. But we're just not doing that. We're not generating pressure, especially from the interior. It's just not coming. So Kenny was the only one with more than one. He had two. Tyler Lancaster, Kyler Fackrell, Preston Smith all had one pressure. Preston had a sack, so you look at it and you're impressed by it because Zadarius and Preston each had a sack. The difference is Zadarius also had a hit in three hurries. Preston had nothing else. Looking at coverage, obviously the one person that stands out is Jair. Um, He was targeted five times, gave up four receptions, which isn't that bad. It was the yardage. Right, Blake was targeted four times, four receptions, Amos three receptions, right? Four receptions is no big deal. But when it's four receptions for 129 yards, that becomes problematic. And again, we're in the exact same situation where if we just don't have one guy wet the bed, the only thing we have after that is Blake, four receptions, 53 yards. It's not that bad. Amos gave up 31, Savage gave up 24. Outside of Jair, this is a lockdown performance. This is nothing. This is garbage. If Jair gives up 29 instead of 129, they only throw for 194 yards. But Jair gave up 129 yards. Every single week, one of those two, either Jair or Kevin King, has to give up 100 plus yards. Every week. Enough already. Come on. We finally get Kevin King to have another good day. It's been since like week three or four since he's had his last really good game. And Jair just falls off every time Kevin King has a good day. And by the way, there's this new weird thing where suddenly everybody hates Jair. Um, look, I, I understand that people get upset by stuff. Don't don't say crazy stuff. As somebody on Twitter say, has he ever been good or, or whatever? I'm hold, withholding judgment until he can prove he's ever been good. I mean, his yardage that he gave up this year, 37-49-2019, 201, right? Terrible game. The very next week, he gave up three yards. After that 36, after that 35, I was wrong. I said, I think he's had three bad days. He's had two. He gave up 201 yards against the Dallas Cowboys. He gave up 129 yards in week nine, and I'm calling him drunk. I'm saying I'm saying he was drunk. Now, he's been given bad grades elsewhere. Right, Week five, he only gave up 56 yards, but it was on eight receptions. He was targeted 12 times. That's not great. But he was also graded as elite against Denver. He's also still, although I don't know after this terrible performance, but he was still graded as, I believe, a top 10 corner in the NFL. Everybody has bad days. Now, there are a lot of corners who have never given up 100 yards this season. You look at, I mean, most corners are not giving up. Most of the corners in the top 10, top 15, they're not giving up 200 yards in a game. They just aren't doing that. I went and looked because I wanted to prove, oh, look, it happens happens to nobody. That's got to stop. There's no reason to be given up 129 yards or 201 yards. That's, that's kind of trash. There are also zero interceptions and zero pass breakups in this game. Not one. The average passer rating given up was 112. So anyways, that's about it. Um, I don't know. I, again, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see if the team bounces back against Carolina or if this is just things just start falling apart. 
I'm guessing they go home, they sober up, get back in the gym, do some push-ups, sweat it out a little bit, get back to work, and, and, and you know, hopefully get a win against Carolina. Because, it, you know, I don't want to say it's must-win territory. They're still in control of their destiny, all that stuff. But falling to the Chargers makes things a lot more difficult. Because Carolina is not a guarantee. The 49ers clearly are not a guarantee. The Vikings, you know, maybe I could say the Bears. But who knows? Maybe they bench Trubisky and it's not a, it's not a foregone conclusion anymore. Lions always give us a hard time. So whatever it is that needs to get done, they obviously know what's going on in that locker room. But somebody's got to man up and do it. That's all there is to it. So, Anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Uh, bye-bye.